Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 337 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. This is Linux in the Hamshack. And this is our deep dive episode. And for your deep diving pleasure, we have the usual cast of characters. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. Sadly, if Jules Verne went 20,000 leagues under the sea in his deep dive, we're going about three in ours. <laughs> three uh, leagues? Three feet? Three feet? What? <laughs> We'll say not very deep. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's only because we're new at this, except for the whole build process, which right. I think uh, we might have it down. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk tonight about a project that was mentioned in our deep dive discussion about what was a deep dive discussion about? <laughs> totally out of memory. Uh, GNU radio, GNU radio. That's right. Um, well, I was going to say SDRs, but that was a little too generic. Um, and it was mentioned to us a project called SDR Angel, which is a front end for controlling SDR receivers and transceivers. And um, so Bill and I decided to take it upon ourselves to look at the software, download the software, build the software. Uh, Bill went the extra mile and built it under Fedora, which there are currently not explicit instructions for, but hopefully will be soon because you've uh, sort of self-documented your procedure. Yeah. Um, I did the Ubuntu build because I'm running uh, Ewan Ehrman on my Hamshack PC. And then we have been playing around with SDR Angel to see what capabilities it has, what it can do. So we're only able to go as far as the depths that we have gone in downloading, building, installing, and playing with SDR Angel. That so far completely eliminates discussion about transmission because neither of us has a transceiver and we've only done exploration into uh, VHF and HF reception. Um, we will talk a little bit about TXing later on just because we believe we sort of understand how it would work, even though we haven't done it. Um, but based on the way SDR Angel is built, compiled, put together, um, and the way you interface with it, uh, it should be pretty much self-descriptive uh, how to use it in a transceiver way. So with that being sort of a really long introduction to <laughs> what will hopefully not be a super short topic, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, why don't you, well, I'll, I'll I'll talk about my my build first, and then you can talk about yours because yours is obviously more involved. Okay. So, so um, with SDR Angel, there. Did you look and see if there was a PPA? I know we were talking about a pre-show. I don't know if you actually looked to see if there was one. I didn't uh, look. I'll look while you're talking though. Okay. So there's there's um, source code, of course. It's on GitHub. A link of that will be in the show notes. Bill and I both did source builds. Um, there is a Docker image, but as I understand it, the Docker image is sort of for the server install, which is if you're going to be using it in a headless way, uh, like on an Odroid or some sort of other device that won't have a GUI interface, uh, like for remote operation. Um, I'm using it in a GUI way. I'm a Hamshack PC, so I did the download and build. Now, you have to build. <laughs> SDR Angel is reliant on some underlying component parts. And I should have brought the wiki up myself before I started talking about it. <laughs> Luckily, there's a link in the show notes. How about that? 
Uh, so as my as my link to the wiki loads, <laughs> um, the idea is you go to the you go to GitHub, you download using Git the component parts or the required software components of SDR Angel first, and you build those first, and then after you've done that, you can okay, come on, load you. This is, this is how we do stuff live, folks. <laughs> and I don't see there used to be a PPA package that they published to the GQ GQRX SDR uh, PPA, but I don't see the files there anymore. So I don't think that's available. And that would have probably only been part of um, part of probably sixteen oh four when they first came out with this. But okay. It looks like he does not doing that. He's not doing snaps or flat packs. Although inside the repo, you'll you'll see a flat pack or a snap build file, but it hasn't been updated in a while, and uh, it wouldn't be current if you were to actually attempt building your own snap package out of it. Okay. <clears throat> so so we're of course talking about building this under Linux, um, and that's all you should care about. So we won't talk about any other ways to build it. Um, but anyway, there are some there are some software dependencies that are required before you build the actual SDR Angel package. Those are CM256CC, MBE lib, serial DV, DSDCC, and Codec2. So um, you have to build those. And if you go to the wiki, which is, of course, in the show notes, and what I'm looking at right now as I tell you this, um, there are explicit install instructions. And if you happen to be running Ubuntu, like I am, um, the instructions are actually cut and pasteable. Um, I don't recommend that you necessarily do that. It's uh, nice to get a sort of finger memory and an idea of what you're actually doing when you do this kind of thing, rather than cutting, pasting, um, you know, commands off a web page, because somebody could slip in a rogue, uh, remove RF dash slash and, uh, you know, <laughs> arm tech RF, you're done. <laughs> so you always want to vet things if you can. Um, but, um, it, it gives you the, it gives you the package dependencies, the Ubuntu package dependencies that you need, uh, before you start building stuff, including build essential and G plus plus and GCC and all of that. Cause this is, uh, built in C plus plus. Um, then it gives you the explicit instructions to, uh, get download from the repos, uh, to do the builds, et cetera, all the components, the software components. And then, it goes through hardware components. Um, the hardware components are sort of dependencies, but they're only dependencies if you're going to use the kind of hardware that it references, including SDR Play, AirSpy, RTL SDR, Pluto SDR, HackRF, uh, Lime SDR, Perseus XTRX, Soapy SDR, and so on. So you can build, if you so choose, all of those, whether you have the hardware or not, which is what Bill did, or you can do what I did and just build, for example, RTL SDR. And I, I did that because I only have an RTL SDR. So if uh, later on I get some other kind of SDR device, I'm going to have to build the hardware module and then recompile SDR Angel to include that in it. So when that device is plugged in, it will recognize it. Each of those builds does contain UDEV rules uh, for appropriate devices that you can copy directly from uh, the module scripts into your UDEV directory, your rules D, um, so that your, uh, yeah, SDR Angel uh, will actually be able to find your hardware. Um, sometimes it's necessary, not always, um, but it doesn't hurt anything if you put those rules in. So, um, let's see. I mean, so basically it's just, it's a lot of typing and a lot of waiting. Um, <laughs> uh, because the, the directions are explicit. And as long as you follow them exactly the way they are, uh, making sure you vet for like weird things, uh, I didn't find any, <laughs> there were nothing. Um, but there's things in there like, um, specific hard rollbacks and roll forwards in the Git repos, um, to get to a certain head. Um, to make sure you're at a very specific build level, especially on the software components, um, to make sure that there are certain features uh, that are included or not included from the Git repo uh, 
uh, to make sure the thing builds properly. And if you do what I did, especially on Ubuntu, go through the five builds for the software components, uh, and in my case, just built for RTL SDR, and then did the appropriate build of SDR Angel, only referencing um, RTL SDR and the five software components, it worked perfectly. And it even there's even a desktop script and a SV, a scalable icon and all that kind of stuff, so you can put it into your system and have it look all natural. Uh, so you don't have to run it from the command line and all that kind of crap. Uh, I did all of those things and it works great. And so now I'm going to let Bill compare what he had to do on Fedora 31. Yes. Yes. Fedora core 31. Okay. Uh, compared to what I had to do. So yeah. Um, in, in generic terms, almost everything will work. Uh, the big differences of course are all the packages that you need to install ahead of time for your dependencies. Uh, Fedora has its own naming convention and, you know, finding all those packages is, uh, is not trivial. <laughs> I had to do a lot of searching and uh, I kind of went through the list and I had my text editor open. And so I was taking everything from the, the wiki and putting it into a text editor and just making slight edits and stuff like that, which I, I do have saved and, uh, I will obviously publish, uh, somewhere. <laughs> And I'll probably commit it back to uh, these guys here so they can also include instructions for uh, for doing uh, uh, builds on Fedora Core 31 um, as far as I can do it. <laughs> I did have uh, I did have good success. So uh, I did, did build every single package that it required, uh, even the optional ones. And I built all the hardware packages and all the build stuff. Uh, if you had all the packages in place, worked very well. There was one instance where I needed to, uh, uh, I think this was on the XRTX, which I believe they included, um, let's see, I just want to look at the wiki there for it. Uh, yeah, so they include some oddities there. Um, the oddity that I ran into was the fact that it would not force, it would not detect or force the uh, architecture. Uh, so I had to include the uh, TACD force architecture uh, part of my command when I did the CMake. So it would ensure that it was building for x86 underscore 64. So that was a, a little bit of Googling to figure out uh, <laughs> figure out that particular issue. And uh, let's see, what else did I find here? Um, yeah. yeah, everything else sort of built fine after that. Uh, a lot of the lib directories uh, on some of the pieces of software go into lib64 on uh, on the Fedora system when it builds it out. So you, not everything will be in slash lib inside of those uh, opt install package name uh, slash directory. So some of those I had to switch to lib64. So it properly compile the uh, the end results or the packages that depended on other packages, which there are several in this list. And uh, you'll notice that when you uh, when you see all the includes and stuff like that, as you kind of progress through uh, the various pieces, I think you've run into that like real early on. Uh, yeah, let's see here. Yeah, so the very first one is that DSDCC, where it wants to include uh, MBE lib that you already built, and I think uh, the CM two sixty five. Let's see, uh, blah blah blah. MBE, oh serial DV. So, uh, yeah, so you'll, if you, if you run a Fedora core or some other 64 bit OS, you know, let's say, um, if I built it on Solus, which is my other desktop, which I didn't do, <laughs> I didn't want to do this twice. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd probably have a different set of instructions for that to be more specific to the way it particularly builds software as you're uh, doing manual compiles. But, um, but essentially you end up with, uh, with the build, it, uh, builds out several things it builds out the gui which if um you're lucky enough to be listening to it live we're in the voice chat and i'm streaming my my application live so that's the gui when you launch the sdr angel um application um, there's also uh, it launches in the background a um an api a rest api that you can access uh via you know obviously a web app <laughs> that you develop uh, but it's nice. It's uh, it's fully documented web API. Uh, that means like if you browse to the, the actual website that comes up. So uh, I think it's a uh, localhost uh, colon 8091 as the port. 
you'll see uh, um, two links, one to the uh, Swagger interface, which kind of exposes all the API points with uh, your normal Swagger uh, easy, uh, this is what this does, and you know, do you want to execute it and try it? <laughs> and uh, um, if you haven't used Swagger before for doing API development, it's pretty slick. Uh, and then also they have a link to the full documentation, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the full documentation of every uh, every part of the API. So you could uh, you could develop uh, software right around it pretty pretty rapidly because it's it is very well documented internally. Um, and uh, yeah, so that being said, <laughs> uh, so let's just uh, let's let's just kind of go over again because we didn't touch on it basically, but like SDR Angel is. Um, is is the at SDR web software or you know software, and it has sort of two components to it in generic terms. It has a, a sample source plugin, which is basically how it gets the sample from your device. That's why you know compiling the devices is important, like the SDR, you know RTL SDR, which is what I have, and that's what Russ has. But any of those other ones, HackRF, uh, AirSpy, uh, HF Discovery, and and uh, so on and so forth. That that's one piece of it. So that gets you to access your device and pull the stream of signal off that device. And then you have channel plugins and they have both transmit and receive plugins and the receive plugins uh, take care of the demodulation of the signal. And um, I'm just looking at mine now. And you have uh, an AM demodulator, an ATV demodulator for doing amateur TV. Uh, broadcast FM demodulator, a channel analyzer, uh, DATV, which I guess that's digital television. We could probably even look at that. Ooh. <laughs> uh, DSD demodulator, which I think is for uh, DMR. Uh, so you can decode DMR out of this thing. Uh, free DV, uh, frequency tracker as an uh, LORA demodulator, a local channel sync. Uh, I think uh, I'm not sure what that is. I haven't played with some of the stuff, so uh, <laughs> don't quote me on any of this. Uh, narrow FM demodulator, remote channel uh, sync. Uh, so this is so you can actually use, uh, obviously, your remote source. I'm assuming uh, single sideband channel demodulator, which gives you uh, you know upper and lower sideband all together. You have a, a little slider that does that stuff, and a let's say UDP channel sync and a WFM demodulator, wide FM demodulator. And uh, <clears throat> and you can actually hook multiple demodulators together. So you can actually have, you know, two, three, I, I don't know, if there's a limit, probably a limit on your hardware, how many demodulators you can have going. So you can actually look at side of whatever you're being able to see in your, your main frequency spectrum. You can actually demodulate multiple signals by uh, just adding another demodulator. And I uh, just did it in the... Uh, I did it in uh, the one that we're showing online here. So we're actually uh, grabbing two signals. And uh, and it gives you, if you highlight over the center of the screen, which is where your main signal is coming in, you can actually see where your two channel demodulators, your two uh, you know received demodulators are operating. And you, of course, can slide those around and uh, pick up various noise. And I'll, uh, I'll open up this thing so you can actually hear it. Let's see. So right now I'm picking up uh, some uh, FT8, and if I slide this other one down here, I can hear a little bit of CW in the background there. I'll slide this one off so we don't hear all the FT8 noise. And we can hear that uh, CW, and if I want to bring in lots of CW, I can just kind of go in here. We can hear all kinds of CW going on. 40 meters is quite active tonight while we're recording this, and uh, I'm going to mute that back up. There it goes. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty slick. Uh, when uh, you first launch it, it's uh, in uh, my case and Russ's case, it basically comes up in uh, for an RTL SDR it comes up in FM mode, um, not FM mode, but in like uh, VHF. <laughs> I think when you open it up, what is the frequency it's on? Uh, mine, <clears throat> mine when I started up, um, I don't remember what it started up. It was like a nine hundred or eight hundred something when yeah, I first so started it. Yeah. So it'll default to some frequency that's uh, initially acceptable to wherever your uh, wherever your SDR is set for. Obviously, if you have a like a an AirSpy or something like that, where you have the full spectrum with no you know gimmickry, <laughs> like a bias T or something like that, or some other uh, some other thing that you have to get to run, it'll be on that frequency. Um, so you'll uh, select your device, 
from the uh, device list. Let's see here. Let's kind of go down using the program here. Well, here's let me let me point this. For, uh, yeah. I want to get to something first, and then I want to say something about picking devices, and then I'll get back to you. <laughs> All right, got it. Uh, the the first thing is um in, during the install process it mentions uh opt install like a lot um because that's kind of where it, their idea of where stuff should go is i hate that and you can change where things get installed to you can use user local you can use opt you can use whatever you want you can still follow the same directions just make sure that wherever it says opt install if you decide to use something else make sure you're consistent in that um because some builds like DSDCC and and stuff like that are dependent on other builds, so you know, you want to make sure that all of your installs, especially your modules and sub modules and things that are referenced by other things in SDR Angel, uh, are consistent whether you use their explicit directions or choose different install locations, which is what I did. Um, that being said, <laughs> the the hardest thing I found. Or the hard the, the thing I couldn't find, <laughs> which made uh, operating SDR Angel the hardest, was where to select your SDR device because it's not super obvious in the GUI. But if you, um, for those folks who are, are watching live and looking at the GUI, they can see this. Um, and if you get a build, you can see it as well uh, on the left hand column under the R0, the, the top R0 section where the frequency counter is, if you go down past that to the second R0, um, the top line has what looks like a hand with a finger clicking on a button. That's the little icon that you have to press that allows you to select um, that, receive, that particular receive uh demodulator device that you want to choose if you don't choose the right one or choose the default one it's probably not going to work because it's probably not referencing actual physical hardware in your machine so you're going to want to click that thing first select what is the obvious device that you have running in your box and once you've done that you'll find suddenly that if you click the play button uh, in the upper left that it will actually show you something useful and your waterfall and stuff will probably light up with useful and pretty things. Uh, but if you, if you don't do that, you're going to get a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> so th that's the thing you're going to want to find first. Um, the other, th the next thing you're going to want to do is uh, play around with the settings in the upper left, that first R zero box when you want to tune in things, because the defaults are sort of not really useful. And because I want to learn a little something, I'm going to let Bill explain all the little fiddly knobs in that section. Yeah, there's so many fiddly knobs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I can really only attest to what I had to do to get mine to work. But, uh, I mean, there's some no-brainer ones here. Um, the one I don't really know much about is the uh, the LOPPM. I haven't really messed with this much. Um and I'm not sure what effect that has on it. <laughs> uh, it doesn't seem to have much of an effect on mine when I mess around with it, but uh, it may or may not on yours. And I would assume that's just the uh, parts per million that's pulling out of the local oscillator. Um, you have a couple of uh, auto correction items here. One is a uh, automatic DC offset removal. And this is important because if you don't have this checked, you end up with uh, normally a carrier right in the middle of your uh, receive spectrum, at least on my SDR. It, it was that way. It was um, that way on mine as well. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. I can probably get mine back to everything in the center. Let's see, DC. So if you're watching my screen, like right in the center, there's this large peak here that uh, won't go away. It uh, It is that peak. And if you click the DC button, that magically goes away. Um, there's also uh, an IQ button for, uh, let me just see what it says, automatic IQ and balance uh, correction. I don't think I need that on mine. I don't see any difference, and I haven't noticed anything odd with uh, the modulation on that, but your mileage may vary based upon your particular uh, machine, so don't be surprised if you have to kind of fiddle around with these uh, these little buttons and whatnot. Um, the other thing is the, uh, 
the frequency, uh, the relative position of the device carrier frequency offset. And uh, this I've moved out to INF, which basically just moves it away from the center, which uh, if you're on a really quiet channel, you can't notice it on this particular one that I'm on now. But if you're on like, uh, you know, VHF where you have a really low noise floor, um, you'll see spikes all the way across. So if I, uh, if I click that and let's see if I can click that. Now I guess you still can't see it. Uh, yeah, no, I can't get it to pop up. It was showing earlier, so we'll just skip over that for right now. Um, so yeah, uh, let's see here. I'll just get back to where I was. Um, you also have like, uh, the obvious thing is that the top, you have a, a frequency uh, that you're actually plugging in, which is in kilohertz. And if you, uh, if you just want to use your mouse, you can just use your mouse wheel and go over a number and go up and down and it does tune everything. Um, you can also type in a number. So if you want to type in a very specific frequency, you can type that in as well. Um, and, uh, that's that. So down on the next uh, set of buttons, there's a toggle for a low high sample rate range. I haven't really messed with that on my particular one. And then you have a toggle between a device to load, uh, to host the signal, uh, the signal response, or what is that? No, sorry, sample rate. Sorry, <laughs> the sample rate and based on uh, a baseband and a sample rate uh, input. But mine, I don't have any of those two buttons pressed, and I I flip my uh, maximum sample rate up to the maximum of the device, which on this one is uh, uh, twenty four hundred. Uh, and then uh, you have a. a deck button or a deck drop down or a, de a de decimation factor which basically on mine at least as far as i'm aware is how much of the spectrum you actually bring in to the main uh receive area so it's how much of the spectrum you're looking at and i have mine set at 64 so i can see the the widest swath of uh of signal that i can see on my device at any one time and then the next line we have the nomad ds and this is for your device if it uh, is like mine. It's an RTLS-DR version 3, which basically has sort of like a fakey uh, uh, bias T kind of built in, which allows you to uh, to hear and uh, travel around on the HF frequencies as well as VHF. So while this is engaged, you can see HF. And when you turn it off, you're into uh, the VHF land. So that's that's the, the button that I'm using right now to get to... Uh, get to hf uh let's see here what else we have there is is that a button there's an offset tuning that applies to some tuners uh the e4000 is one of them i do not have that and uh, let's see and it also has a, a reference uh, uh rf filter bandwidth so if you want to filter it here this is just basically a like a pre-filter filter in front of all your channels the next thing is a slider for gain and they also have a, a checkbox to kick in automatic gain control, which is what I'm using right now, AGC. And I have not experienced anything bad with it. So uh, <laughs> again, your SDR could be different and your mileage may vary. Again, all these settings here, I would just play until you start seeing what you want to see in the spectrum window itself. And I've been pretty happy with um, my default settings. And I can see pretty much everything I want to see in it. And, um, yeah, that covers basically your, your kind of main or primary receive buttons and options. You do have in the next window down, once you've selected the kind of demodulator that you want, um, you do have options for, sh for what kind of, um, waveform or waterfall displays you see. Um, some of them are actually kind of cool. There's, um, there's sort of, sort of line line like a uh, an oscilloscope view there's an actual waterfall um there's that which i'm not sure what would you call that <laughs> yeah um if you hover over long enough you can see a display phosphor effect spectrum yeah phosphor a, yeah. spectrum which is actually really cool to watch um and then uh standard waterfall display stuff like that and of course there are knobs there there are in this software there are literal knobs <laughs> that you can uh, tweak how all of these things uh, actually display for you the the width of the bandpass and uh, uh color spectrum and bits per well, not bits per pixel but you you know think 
things along those lines, things that can sort of tweak the output for you where you can get really, really detailed about the visualization of the signal you're receiving. And then that's, that's what's coming off directly off of the input from the SDR device. And then what's coming out of the SDR device in your output channel, what's being demodulated, that has all of those different options too. And then you can do that for every single channel. So you can see a waveform or a uh, spectrogram or the phosphor display or anything like that all simultaneously on the input and output. And even if you have multiple demodulators going, you can set them all different ways. So as far as visualizations are concerned, this thing is like off the rails. (laughs) (laughs) Infinitesimally configurable. (laughs) More options than I even understand what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are some, there are some basic things you should know. Um, like in the demodulators, um, there's, there will be, uh, up in the, usually on the upper right, there's a little speaker icon. And, uh, for most of those, from what I've seen, you can, you can click them to change between like mono and stereo and stuff like that. And if you right click them, then you're allowed to choose the, the output device where the demodulated audio actually goes. Um, that allows you to make it so that if your default, for example, pulse audio settings are to, you know, a certain output device and you want the, uh, SDR output to be to like your headphones or something, you can actually set it there. Um, and of course, like for every, for every demodulator channel, there's, uh, there's all kinds of sliders, knobs, bells, whistles, (laughs) things yeah. you can you can choose <laughs> i mean it, it is crazy on features uh do you want to switch over do you want to get rid of that channel and go to uh the broadcast fm demodulator yeah sure we can do that uh so the broadcast fm demodulator is probably one of the easiest things to understand and if you have a, a basic rtl sdr or some other sdr one of the things you can almost always pick up um while you're looking for a signal is broadcast fm um even if you don't really have an antenna there's probably a nearby fm radio station somewhere um so you can pick that up um this thing will do everything as as far as that goes um it even decodes rds and high definition audio and yeah you've got your uh, npr stream going there right because that's the hdr stream yeah, that's the HDR stream at uh, NPR. So those of you who are lucky enough to hear it, you can hear NPR. <laughs> Let's see what they're running right now. Oh, yeah, more COVID-19. There we go. Well, yeah, it's either COVID-19 or classical music, right? I mean, that's pretty much NPR these days. So. <laughs> that's pretty much NPR. And uh, you'll also notice I uh, I switched back my decimation rate so I can see the signal. So, uh, yeah, in this case, uh, it was... Uh, it's too flat when I have it at 64. So I had to bring it all the way back to eight so I could see actually four, I think is what I ended up with. So I could see the signal really, really well. Um, and again, you'll have to play with it and kind of see what, what, what best works for you when you're messing around with it. Uh, there is a, you know, I was going to say there is a slight delay as well for obviously for decoding. So I know uh, some people are you talking about using this remotely and whatnot. Obviously, any more delay you add into it, um, I would think it would become harder and harder to operate um, like FTA or time sensitive, uh, time sensitive uh, modes <laughs> using any kind of uh, software that delays. Now, obviously, higher end hardware operates a lot faster and the signal rate is a heck of a lot faster than this. So I'm at the limitation of, of my particular equipment um, uh, when I do this. And I was going to show two. Um, let's see here. Let's switch to, um, let's switch to WFM. See, I tried to decode, see like in GQRX, if you want to decode a broadcast FM station, you use uh wide FM and that's how you decode broadcast FM. Um, under, under, uh, STR angel, I tried decoding broadcast FM using WFM and I couldn't do it. I, I don't know if I wasn't you know, frobbing the right knobs and <laughs> yeah, whatnot, but... So this is November, test, test one, two. 
Oh, that would hurt. Yeah, you can see how much RF that my, uh, my, uh... <laughs> Where'd you go, man? You're gone. Yeah, All here is, so there you go. I was, uh, chiming my HD into it, and, uh, obviously, uh, it's loud. Uh, you do have squelch, so, like, uh, even though I was bringing in all the static there, you do have, like, a, if I can, well, it was working earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Not that one. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, so there it is. Squelch actually finally worked. <clears throat> uh, but I think I just muted it, so very good. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so it does have squelch features, um, and a couple of other things um, that people were asking about, which was scanning. I'm not sure if it does scanning, but you can save channels and setups uh, uh, to your presets, so you can kind of save layouts if you want to. Like, I want to hear the repeater. You know, you can probably set up the repeater. Uh, you want to hear the repeater input. You can probably set up two uh, two uh, narrow FM channels to uh, monitor the input and the output of the repeater so you can kind of do some cool stuff um, uh, listening to two uh, two different frequencies at once <laughs> if your SDR can go wide enough I don't think uh, this particular one will do uh, they'll do that far so uh, I'm kind of stuck to doing um, uh, stuck to doing uh, simplex uh, operation for receive at least I'm gonna I'm gonna pop up in the DSD uh, demodulator tomorrow because I want to. There there is a DMR repeater close enough to me that I can hear it, um, and I definitely want to see if I can hear it. That would be kind of cool because the only thing I've been able to do with mine so far is uh, broadcast FM. It's kind of well, you should be able to hear your little hotspot too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I've got the hotspot too. I can hear that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna uh, futz around with the DSD tomorrow and see how that works um uh this would this would probably be a good point to just uh put a quick uh little shill in here so uh, <laughs> um if, if you all um have noticed we've been using discord uh to our advantage tonight to actually give a video presentation to online listeners about this particular topic so uh you get sort of special privs if you go to patreon and support us uh, otherwise, you can just visit Discord, and the link to joining the Discord is in the outro, so please listen to that. Uh, it's also in all the show notes, So, uh, and also in every announcement we make about you know listening to the show live. So uh, join it. Oh, don't kick the microphone over. There you go. <laughs> uh, so join us on Discord if you can. I know some people are kind of... Uh, scared of new technology and things but uh please you know join us on the discord we're going to try and leverage it some more as we go forward uh maybe do some more cool things with it maybe even invite people to uh join in our discussions sometimes using discord um we're going to be experimenting with stuff and of course uh if you are actually a patreon supporter or a paypal supporter of our program you get your name in a special color and you show up at the top of the list as a very, Ooh. very important person <laughs> to the show. So anyway, enough about uh, Patreon and Discord. But um, so let's talk. Do you want to talk a little bit about TXing? Because I think I think the idea is sort of the same. All you have to do is where you've got two. You basically got two things. You've got where um, you've got the input signal being demodulated by the SDR and then the SDR demodulating that signal again into um, another signal that you can actually hear. So it's like a ADDA kind of thing. And then a TX would be exactly the opposite thing. If you actually had an SDR transceiver, then you would set up a, an, uh, a modulator, not a demodulator, uh, that would take your analog audio from some device, headphones, microphone, whatever, uh, convert it into a digital signal and then have that uh, sent to the SDR, which would then modulate that signal again into something, SSB, uh, DMR, whatever, uh, that would then be transmitted by your transceiver. Uh, you and I have not done that, but I think no. I think the method for doing it is probably pretty self-explanatory once you've worked your way through uh, some of the intricacies of setting up the receiver side. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I yeah I'm you assuming you'd have a T0 and a, and a T0 um, in your device list on the left side. So your sampling devices, you'd have a T0 and a, 
and your for your plugins you'd have a t0 as well yes um i actually set those up even though they were sort of there was nothing there but oh, yes, okay. that's exactly yeah, what done happens. that so that's cool yeah. yeah um so that being said it it goes without well it doesn't go without saying because we're going to say it um you can actually have multiple devices and multiple you can have an r0 and an r1 and with multiple decode channels all running at the same time if you get a hardware that will handle it <laughs> um you can have two sdrs doing stuff all simultaneously if you want if you yeah, absolutely if you're crazy <laughs> if you're crazy like that if you're crazy like a fox crazy like a badger whatever yeah um, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so you could even set up like um you could even set up like streaming your repeater online and stuff like that with this by uh you know having it you know your multiple re- receive channels you can have several repeaters in the area and you know you could be the guy that streams it all online and people could uh, hear the repeater, you know, wherever you broadcast it to. And uh, this would be an easy tool to kind of set that up. And uh, with the devices being able to point the output to specific devices, you would be able to create, you know, especially in Pulse, all your fake devices to send it to. And then you'd have your streamer just basically attaching that that stream to the device. So, yeah, it's very powerful. And um you know, this is uh this has been around for for a while now, and I know a lot of people have kind of talked about it and stuff, but it's it's definitely an active development uh, project, and it looks really cool, and it's kind of got me interested in uh, SDR again since I've actually had the the little dongle for a while now, <laughs> and I am plugged into the antennas outside, and that helps if you have a little you know SMA to uh to uh BNC or to uh UHF connector PL whatever two fifty nine or U whatever the SO238 <coughs> yes connector so uh yeah it's uh, it uh, makes it a lot better than uh, the stock little bunny rabbit ears that you probably got with it and of course uh i've seen online a lot of people making little homemade uh, rx loops for the antenna and th- those work really well think of it like a think of it like a mag loop that's uh that doesn't have the adjustable uh adjustable uh, capacitance to you know center the frequency so it becomes semi-broadbanded depending upon what kind of uh, matching network you have built into it there's also some commercial little antennas that you can buy like that i think uh air spy is selling one for like 35 bucks or something like that it's a little loop of coax with two different uh, uh two different matching uh, networks so i think a four to one and a one to one and uh you know i'm just plugged into the butternut outside so you know it's good enough to kind of receive you know, signal. It's not the best VHF, UHF antenna, but I could plug in directly to a, uh, you know, a disc cone or something like that, or a scanner receive antenna that, you know, can, you know, pretty broad banded for the VHF, UHF spectrum. But you can also do uh, satellite work with this too. You can use it to uh, listen to satellites, obviously, uh, especially if you don't have an all mode radio. Uh, you can, you know, now demodulate. Uh, single sideband so you can hear those linear birds uh, fly over if you have you know decent enough antennas and enough gain uh, going into this thing uh, you can hear that you can hear the ISS go by and uh, you know you can hear the packet you can uh, demodulate that signal off FM and then pipe it over to your uh, your packet software um, you can even you know do FT8 you can listen to FT8 all day long <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know you can de- decode right off it of course you know depending on your device like mine <laughs> there's a little bit of a delay so it would not be good for uh you know you know, actually using it to transmit and stuff like that but i'm assuming if i had like you know you know an air spy hf discovery or uh you know a perseus sdr or something like that that has a little bit more a uh, little bit more power under the hood that it handles a lot of that stuff itself um this you know the speed wise would be you know tremendously better and the delay would be significantly reduced yeah, the full the whole thing is fully network capable too. So if you need to send audio streams or whatever, um, it can clearly do that. Uh, whether you need to pull something off, you've got the REST API. You could uh, send to Broadcastify. You could probably go to uh, other applications for decoding audio. There's uh, probably an infinite number of ways you can use this thing. Now, that being said, when you have things that are extremely powerful, they can seem extremely complicated. And um, this, there's no question that the interface for SDR Angel has a lot of knobs, switches, and uh, things to to Twitter with. <laughs> um, but 
for basic operation, it doesn't take all that much. As soon as you know a couple of basic things, you, you can dive in. And then you can probably spend the rest of your life figuring out the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, hey, we got this far with, uh, you know, just some uh, $20, $25 dongles <laughs> and uh, yep. a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a curve, uh, learning curve, compiling everything up and making it run. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, buried entry is pretty pretty low if you don't mind following those instructions obviously there's other software that you can you know download right out of the repos like you know cute sdr um yeah i remember quisk a bunch of other ones that you can do very similar things with that are already pre-built and you can kind of play with but if you want to get into something that's uh, maybe a little different and um, some would argue possibly more more um uh, more features, feature rich, maybe too many features, like we said. <laughs> this is a this is definitely uh, something to kind of try out. Um, yeah, let's just see here. What do we got here? Uh, oh yeah, Tom is saying, "I'm telling you, wow, you just made my weekend a lot more complicated." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It can get complicated, um, but it is fun. It, it's been kind of interesting uh, messing around with it and. Uh, testing out the various, uh, you know, demodulators and, and stuff like that and kind of kind of getting the feel, kicking the tires a little bit in the SDR world. And uh, this is definitely a, a pretty, pretty significant application. And if you're a tinkerer and, a, you know, maybe even a, a developer, having that uh, ability to hit a, a REST API and kind of build your own application out of it uh, makes it even more interesting. So there's a lot of thought that has gone into this application. And... Uh, you know, it's definitely a, a worthwhile kind of checking out. And let's see, what is, what is, he's had over 5,900 commits, the most recent one, two days ago. So <laughs> <laughs> it's being actively developed. It, it truly is. And there's a, even a fix from uh, the fourth here, uh, fixing the CMake package config file for the Blade RF module. So, um, yeah, so I would definitely kind of, Kind of take it out, take a take it for a test drive if you can on your system, and if you have a system that we haven't built it on, uh, and um, would like to share your experiences with us, you know, please send uh, please send uh, your notes to us, and we'll uh, cover them here on the show. I will also say, especially if you're using any any or all of the available uh, visualization technologies, the spectrograph and <laughs> phosphor waterfalls, etc., it, it is not. Um, it is not resource unintensive. <laughs> um, it, it can, it can consume a fair bit of, uh, processor power. So if you're, if you're doing this on a, on an underpowered machine, uh, you just maybe want to be aware of like what you turn on. <laughs> I mean, cause, cause you don't have to see things to hear things, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know. I got to say, eye candy is cool, and and if uh, if there's one thing SDR Angel has in spades, it's eye candy. Because <laughs> um, I was actually watching uh, NPR's classical music earlier <laughs> when I was listening to it after I got it built, and it was just as fun to see it as it was to hear it. <laughs> so, yeah. let's see here. Uh, yeah, just just be aware that uh, an underpowered machine might give you performance that you're not super happy with and it might also take forever and ever to build <laughs> so uh just just keep that in mind that resources may be an issue um but i i built mine on a dual core um celeron and it seems to operate just fine i don't know what kind of box you're running it on uh this is a i7 it's an oh, older yeah, yeah, uh, precision yeah. so you, you got a bit more uh, horsepower than i got Oh yeah, yeah. It's got plenty of horsepower. <laughs> Eight core, thirty-two gigs of RAM. It's uh, yeah. I'm sure it's just sleeping doing this. So uh, yeah. So the question in the chat room was about the VM. It does have a Docker build image, so that means you could run it up in a, a Docker image. That type of virtualization uh, is possible. Um, can it transmit? Yes, it can yes, transmit it can. as long as your SDR can transmit. That's that's the important piece. Your your hardware has to be able to transmit. If it can, it can. Yeah, and I'm not sure about the Ensemble RXTX, uh, Don. I think you can plug into devices uh, via the input. So you can set up, um, they have various inputs here. One's a local input and stuff like that. So that might be the case because I think that one is just uh, sound card 
driven, if I remember correctly. Um, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's the same kit I have sitting in a box somewhere that I haven't finished. You're not waiting for me to correct you, right? <laughs> no, no. I was just waiting to see if anything else popped up. In there. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah, taking a so, drag on the cigar, you know, I was like, hey, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Loser. All right. Um, I think we are actually sort of getting to the end of what we can intelligently talk about, but we are certainly here for at least the next minute or two. If anyone has a question, we might be able to field before we wrap this thing up. Um, I would assume, you know, I, mean, I was thinking about this. Um, was there some way to decode from the top R0 something that's not an SDR device? Just like, well, you can do files. That was one thing. We, we didn't mention that. Yeah, you, you, can, can you can have an audio file um, and have SDR Angel decode it. You can use that as the input um, modulation. Um, I would assume you could use some sort of networked input device, sound card, probably anything that creates a, an audio channel uh, you could use to decode. You probably don't even need, well, you definitely don't even need an SDR because you can use files. Um, so probably any way you can get audio into the application, you can decode it. So Yeah, and I'm sure you probably could do, yeah, like trying to think here without breaking anything. <laughs> if you do a local input, uh, no, that's not what I wanted. I got another RX thing. There you go. <laughs> so I was just thinking uh, if you had like uh, something coming off of your like iPhone or something or an Android device like Peanut DMR signal coming in, you know, <laughs> you could potentially demodulate it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think you could demodulate any audio, audio signal too. So, yeah. So you should probably be able to plug any type of pulse source directly into it as well. Yeah. So even if you have a network pulse, audio source like if you're getting uh if you had uh some craziness like an sdr connected to another machine at a remote location but you had uh pulse sending that audio stream out over the internet and you were able to pick it up on a local machine you could turn that into a local audio um sync and then decode it locally if you wanted to get nutty about it yeah, so the key is is try it, play it, play with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't broken. Tell us what we don't yet. know because there's lots of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, your mileage may vary. Obviously, compiling on your system, and then of course uh, getting your device running. And yeah, those UDEV rules are pretty important these days to get your device to actually uh, work and show up in the list. I had to do the same thing with mine. I. Uh, I, uh, I, I kind of like missed that part of the instructions and I'm like, why, why don't I see the device? I know I built it. I plugged it in and then, uh, and then I, I kind of just, uh, look for my, uh, my RTL SDR tools that I normally debug with. And I was like, oh, I don't even have those installed on the system here. So, um, which I think you build it and compile it anyway. So I just, uh, I did install the uh, local RTL SDR uh, packages in the Fedora. Fedora thing, which kind of put all my UDEV rules and stuff like that automatically in there, which I didn't need to do. Uh, I could have done it uh, with the compiled version that I had on the system, which is probably what you did, right? You the UDEV that they uh, they suggested. I did. Yeah, I yeah. pulled it straight out because I had the RTL SDR, um, the lib RTL SDR that came from the wiki, yeah. and that actually included the UDEV rules in the source code. Uh, it wasn't. It's not built or anything, but it's part of the like contrib files or whatever. Uh, you can just copy them directly into your rules.d and away you go. Yeah. So, uh, so there it is. Our, our shallow dive, huh? Uh, any, any questions? Yeah. Uh, any, uh, questions anything? quick before we, uh, wrap this thing up and, uh, let everybody get on with their lives. <laughs> and, uh, also while we're, we're waiting for any questions, uh, we want to thank the folks who are here uh, listening and in this case watching live. Because I think everybody who was listening was also watching, unless they weren't on Discord. Um, but we had, uh, oh, there's one, there's one there. Steve, I didn't yeah, see Steve. Steve yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, don't want to miss Steve. I was trying to count, and I was like, oh, this seems to be wrong. It's <laughs> <Something> not matching. <laughs> uh, we had Tony KM4HSD, Don KC9ZMY, Tom N4. Hi, hi. <laughs> uh, Don KB2YSI, Dan KF5TQN. Ed, W-A-0-E-I-R, and Steve K-7-H-V-T. 
So thanks everybody for being here. <laughs> we didn't forget you, Steve. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and not seeing any questions. I mean, there may be a follow up to this. Maybe when one of us buys a SDR transceiver <laughs> and we know a, a little more about what the hell we're doing, we, we might revisit this. Or maybe if we have another, uh, SDR angel expert, like maybe the, I don't know, developer of the program or something on the show. Oh, one thing I wanted to find out and I forgot about is what is the license? Oh, it should be a license file. Let me look here. Yeah, license I'm looking right here. Yep, here. it is GNU GPL version three. GPL V three. There you go. All right, cool. Always a good thing to know. So that way we know it is explicitly open source. It is copy left. Uh, so use freely and enjoy. <laughs> so with that, I believe we are down to the end of our program. This kind of actually went pretty long for a topic we don't really know anything about <laughs> so uh, hopefully everyone is uh, a little bit educated and if nothing else their interest is peaked and they're all going to run out get a cheap sdr dongle and enjoy a little bit of sdr angel uh, if you have follow-up questions after the show of course you can always email us um Links to uh, everything about the show and how to get in contact with us, especially voicemail. We haven't had a voicemail in a long time. Somebody call us for crying out loud. Yeah, let's make sure that thing still works. <laughs> yeah. Let, let us hear you. We would love to put you on the show. We'd love to have questions. We'd love to have comments. Anything. We'd like to have funnies from Richard. So. Yeah, stuff like that. So uh, yeah. it's, it's all going to be in the outro, so just listen to the outro. And if you don't want to listen to the outro, it's all on the website, LHSpodcast.info. And uh, with that, we'll just go ahead and say this has been a really kind of fun and enjoyable and hopefully educational episode number 337 of Linux in the Ham Shack, a deep dive into the shallow end, as it was put in the chat room, <laughs> into the world of SDR Angel. We'll catch you all next time. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or handfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.
Linux in the Hamshack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.